The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The SB Nation NFL show is on the clock with more 2021 NFL draft coverage coming to you today. I am your host, Michael Kist, and as part of our continuing draft coverage here at the SB Nation NFL Show, I will be joined by the excellent Kyle Krabs of thedraftnetwork.com to get his thoughts about the kerfuffle at the top of the draft with the quarterbacks. We'll also talk about a guy that Kyle thinks is the closest thing to a can't-miss prospect in this class, as close as you'll get anyway. Plus, we'll be going through each level of the offense and defense for prospects that Kyle would consider his guys, his draft crushes that could go on day one or day two of the 2021 NFL draft. Before we kick it to that, a quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review in Apple Podcasts. If you leave a review with either a question or a comment, one of our hosts here on the network will probably discuss it on one of our shows. So drop a question in there, drop a take in there, or just say you're following instructions. That's your call. It only takes a minute, and it really helps people discover the network, so we appreciate you doing that for us. All right, enough of that. Let's go to my chat with Kyle Krabs from thedraftnetwork.com right now. Kyle, welcome into the SB Nation NFL show. How you doing, brother? It's going good, Mike. It's uh, always fun. I know how fond you are of the entire draft build up each and every offseason, so <laughs> I'm thankful that this process is almost over for you, just as much as I'm thankful it's almost over for us so we can kind of collectively catch our breaths here a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it, it is tired. Like, I do I do love the NFL draft, but we get to this point, and I think even people that love the NFL draft are just getting tired of the same talking points. And let's talk about what those talking points are, because yeah. they, they are interesting at the, at the very least, because I think the main thing for me, I, I think we know how the top of this thing is going to go. Uh, so what I really want to dig in, and maybe you can kind of talk about how uh, the Draft Network is covering this and how you're trying to predict this with the, the mock draft machine and mm-hmm. what kind of evidence you know goes along with that with contextualizing quarterback from our friend Benjamin Solek that just dropped on the site. But that that top two, I think, is is locked in at number three. Like, is Mac Jones? Like, is it is it is it really him? Is this all a smokescreen? How how can how can we go to like the draftnetwork.com and figure all this out? <laughs> so one of our primary features is the mock draft simulator, like you mentioned. And right now we have a predictive board, and then we have our actual rankings board, which is reflective of what we feel of the players on the the predictive board. You can go into the mock draft simulator and the computer uses based on what you put in his primary needs. It kind of goes into this probability dice roll and picks best available at positions of need and, and kind of it gives you some variability. So it's a little different experience each time. But we have 
quarterbacks, like one, two, three, four, and like eight or nine on mm. the predictive board. So, and it's because they're all bunched together, it'll every once in a while, like it won't just pull first team takes the first one, second team takes the, like Trevor Lawrence is, is coded in as the first overall pick. Mm. But beyond that, you get like a little bit of variability where, San Francisco takes Trey Lance in some of these. San Francisco takes Justin Fields in some of these. And right. every once in a while, they do take Mac Jones. But, like, uh, I, I know this has been countered quite a bit, the idea of Mac Jones at three and the idea of what you would give up if you were San Francisco, two future first-round picks to go get a quarterback that really doesn't mesh the traits of what you see with quarterbacks that come into the league and have so much success. And like you mentioned with Ben's contextualizing quarterbacking, my jaw dropped when I opened up his article talking, and it, was, it wasn't even talking about Mac Jones. He was talking about Trevor Lawrence and his uh, the dynamics of that Clemson offense and how it right. works. And Mac Jones, Ben charted less than 10% of his throws were going beyond the first read on the games that Ben watched to chart. Hmm. And he was dead last in completion percentage, accuracy, and ball placement on those that sample size of his beyond the first read. And it's mm. like, listen, I just watched Tua Tungabailoa go through this exact same thing going from Alabama to Miami. And Tua was the same way. I remember Ben's contextualizing quarterbacking last year. It was like, yeah, he's great, but like 80% of his throws are going to the first guy that's designed in the read. So like, just <laughs> be aware if you ask him to do more, like that might be a little bit of a rough transition. And like Mac doesn't even have the physical attributes that Tua did other than he's taller. So right. I, I get a hard time with it. Yeah, I, I would have a hard time with it too. And, and when you look at that, like, wh what's the term that's always thrown around when you see stats like that? And, and I think you have to dig into the, it's one, it's, it's one read quarterback, right? Like, right. the data would suggest that Mac, Mac Jones might be a one read quarterback and you might have some trouble trying to get him to, uh, to expand on that. But if he goes to a place like San Fran where things are so well schemed up, like, how, do you do you really think it's San Fran? And if it is, do you think it's a, uh, just a massive mistake, or do you do you think it's something they can live with? Well, I mean, uh, uh, we've watched Kyle Shanahan get competent production out of the likes Nick of Mullins, Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard at times. Yeah. So, like, he could probably make it work, but you know, it, it's you're always going to have that in the back of your mind. Like, what else could we have got? And it's like right. not even like you had to wait the two years to use your two first round assets. Like if you wanted to go all in and like push your chips on the table and go get some extra players, like could you have stayed at 12 or moved up to six by yourself and get Mac Jones and, mm -hmm. and, and then use that extra first round pick to go get another player like that. That's always going to be in the back of your mind if it is Mac Jones. But my gut tells me that it's not. And for whatever reason, somebody's smoking this out here real hard because this is that window. Like you said, that fatigue window for everybody. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. who you are. You understand if you work in the space that everything that gets out there is a headline, especially to like the big media outlets like ESPN and NFL Network. It's out there for a reason. Somebody wants you to be talking about it. Yeah, and yeah. when you look at it from that scope, and I know Kyle Shanahan said, yeah, now that you have three, you don't have to hold things so close to the vest and everything like that. But I, I just think there's ulterior motives here that are trying to manipulate the draft board in a certain way, whether that's trying to get San Francisco to to second guess Justin Fields because of the whole, all the narratives and BS that's out there about Justin Fields. Uh, ironically, he's the one that got pegged as the one read quarterback and Ben CQ had him as the <laughs> most advanced quarterback throwing beyond the first read. So <laughs> check the tape. Yeah. Check the tape. Always check the tape. That's that, that is fascinating. And, and I, and I think you're right. And this is going to be like music to the ears of Rob Stats Guerrera, our guy here at the NFL show also with, with Niners nation, because 
he's a big Justin Fields guy and he does not want Get Mac it. Jones there. Got good taste. Yeah, there you go. And and when you look at it like we we have a we have a we have a friend in the know that said the people putting this stuff out there about Justin Fields, like they're the ones that want Justin Fields. So they're they're trying to make something happen. It's lying season, man. Like right. Dan Orlovsky got straight up lied to to his face and then put it out there into the world and like that created a whole controversy and everything like that. So re- regardless of who it is at 3, when is the when is the fourth quarterback coming off the board? What does your gut say about that? What what might that look like? So, I think Atlanta is really interesting because if San Francisco takes Justin Fields and Trey Lance is there at 4, you know, you think about Arthur Smith coming into Atlanta. I understand they restructured Matt Ryan's contract, so there's not a lot of flexibility for 2021. But you're ideally, if you're Atlanta and your head coaching hire goes the way that you think it is, you're not going to be in this position again. And you can trade Matt Ryan next year after June 1st and save, I think, $23 million against the cap. Mm-hmm. So Trey Lance, coming from an FCS program with 17 career starts, back to the defense, play action, passing, bootleg, move him around. That, to me, is the perfect kind of fit for what Arthur Smith did with Ryan Tannehill. And you have the luxury of not having to play an FCS quarterback with 17 career starts in year one because you are handcuffed with Matt Ryan. Mm. So I look at that fit, and if Trey Lance is there on the board for you, like I just can't help but think that that would be really tempting. I know, I think it was Chris Mortensen had reported that uh, – Front office wants to go a quarterback direction potentially, and and Arthur Smith thinks Matt Ryan has two plus years of quarterback play, and maybe he's right. But like, mm-hmm. are you really like first time head coach? Are you really going to hit your wagon to thirty eight year old Matt Ryan and say, yeah, you know, let, let's ride? Like, I I can get this done. Like, you got your whole career to plan for, and I think the long term plan for them, especially with how short leash some of these teams are with head coaches. If you can use year one as a redshirt year, and then you have a two- or three-year evaluation window, and if you take your time with Trey Lance, I think you can hit a home run with him. Mm. I think there's a couple of thoughts there that pop in my head. Number one, when, when a front office interviews a head coach, they want to be on the same page when it comes to the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that there's a reported conflict there. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure that I'm that I'm buying that, right? The other part of that is, and maybe this is a galaxy brain take, but like this is like a new world we're living in with this. How comfortable are you with Trey Lance not throwing him into the fire, saying it's okay that you took a year off, it's okay that you're going to sit another year? Like this guy won't have played actual football, and he did it at a lower level when he did it, Mm -hmm. and now you're going to come to the NFL. Like that's got like it's like a shock to the system, right? Well, I guess the devil's advocate for that perspective. And I'm sure from a public and PR perspective, there will be those who had an issue with it. But is the the alternative is to take an FCS quarterback who didn't play last year and throw him in as a rookie and just tell him to go sink or swim? Like, you know, right, it's, right, so right. you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't in okay. that scenario. But, you know, once you reach that highest level, I'm trying to do what I think is going to be best for his long-term development because all of the tools are there. And you as a first-year head coach and a first-year GM, you are about as close to the environment that you need or could possibly get in the NFL landscape to have the long-term stability Mm -hmm. to make a move like that. Okay. I like it. I like it. We'll see. It's going to be fascinating with Trey Mm -hmm. Lance either way. All right. So when we come back, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Kyle Krabs of the draftnetwork.com at grinding the tape on Twitter 
is going to go through some of his guys, his favorite guys in the draft. We'll go offense, and then we'll go defense. It's coming up right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here on the SB Nation NFL show. Michael Kist here with Kyle Krabs of the Draft Network. Kyle, I, I'm, I'm always fascinated about guys that like you rank higher than other people because I, I, part of the reason I got into your work is because you were willing to take risks, right? You weren't part of the group think. You always kind of marched to your own tune with that. So I'm really interested to know like who are your guys? So we're going to go through offense. We're going to go through defense. But I think first, outside of quarterback, I want your slam dunk guy, can't miss guy that you 100% believe will be successful or 99.9% believe will be right. successful in the uh, in the NFL. Who is your guy? It, it's not an off-the-reservation take here, but okay. it is Kyle Pitts, tight end from Florida. Um, it just you, you see the recipe, and, and you see the success that a guy like Darren Waller has had with the Raiders. And you know, Waller played wide receiver for Georgia Tech, and it took him a little bit once he got to the NFL level. You know, Pitts has been more acclimated to those assignments to to play in congestion and in traffic and I think he played he played over 60 percent of his snaps according to pro football focus his draft guy with his hand in the dirt mm. uh, in 2020 so it's not like he gets billed as this this freak athlete and he's all those things but he's also well exposed to kind of that rough transition that a lot of college tight ends have in which you have to learn to play with your hand in the dirt. So mm. I just think the receiving upside with him and the mismatch ability is way too high for him to not materialize into being a viable starting high caliber starter. I, I also think he can, I, I think his blocking is just fine. Like mm. when I, when as an Eagles guy, when I watched Dallas Goddard in college, like his blocking wasn't anything special, but the effort was there, the, the flexibility throughout the body, like the want to was there. Mm -hmm. I, and now he's one of the better blocking tight ends in the NFL. Like I, I think he could be that. And then I think he can also take 50% of his snaps, whether it be in the slot or at the X or wherever you want to put him. And Waller's is a great comp there, and and I and I like that because I'm a, I'm a big Waller guy. Let let's go throughout the offense here. We'll go to the running back position. Who is your guy at the running back position? So my RB one is Travis Etienne, and the divider for him versus Javante Williams and Najee Harris. I think Najee Harris is every bit as good as third down on third downs. Mm. He probably has a little bit better instinctual feel, but. For me, it's Etienne and the explosiveness that he has is a big divider and be able, being able to create plays uh, 
and, and defeating angles. Whereas as Najee and Javante, they're four six guys. Uh, Javante ran four six something at the pro day, and everybody else is running four three. So that tells you like he's a legit <laughs> four six guy. Yeah. And Najee chose not to run, but you see Najee in the open field, and he, he doesn't win those foot races when he, he gets out in the open field, and he's plenty good for chunk plays. But on those long touchdowns that he has, he usually has to hurdle a guy here. He's got to throw a guy into the third row along the way. It's just like it yeah. takes a little bit of extra work, whereas Travis's open field, he can create those explosive plays and win foot races. And then you do watch him, even though I think he's not as instinctual reading and, and feeling out gaps uh, in between the tackles is what Najee Harris is. His contact balance allows him to parlay off of contact really, really well. So hmm. Travis Etienne, to me, for what he brings from an explosive play perspective, is my RB1 in this year's class. But if I wanted to give you a guy who's not one of the top three consensus guys, I really like Trey Sermon out of Ohio State. I like I like Trey too. I always felt like his game was a little bit underrated. But like with, with Etienne, I remember watching guys for the 2018 NFL draft class and coming across Clemson film. And keep in mind, ETN only had 100 carries, but he had 107 carries, 766 yards, 13 touchdowns. Right. I was like, this guy, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta keep track of this guy. So I like that. Let's, let's go to another pass catcher here. You can go wide receiver. You can go tight end. Give me another guy that's, that's maybe not like a Kyle Pitts type slam dunk, but a guy that's your guy in the day one to day two range. Uh, Jalen Waddle's one of my top five prospects in this class. Oh. As far as he outproduced Devontae Smith in the, through the first four games of the season before he got hurt on the opening kickoff against Tennessee. And then all right. Alabama did is say, okay, all of those play, package plays and, and all of those concepts where Jalen Waddle was the guy designed to get the football, Devontae, we're just going to give it to you now. <laughs> like that, <laughs> That's how you end up getting a wide receiver who wins the Heisman. But you watch – him run the routes, and he doesn't run as diverse of a route tree as Devontae does. But he, I thought he beat man coverage with more consistency than what Devontae Smith did this year. And it's tough because, you know, last year he was wide receiver four because you had Judy and Ruggs in place. Mm -hmm. So he gets into an elevated role. He has like 550 yards through four games. His... His ability to influence zone and create those massive voids when he presses vertical mm. is really eye-opening when you're able to see the entire field of play and see the influence that he has. And then he's really smooth at the top of his breaks, and I thought he did a really nice job in coming open. And there were times where he just wasn't the first guy in the progression. And, and you know, Mac Jones, a lot of times, is just thrown to the first guy because the first guy's winning the way the play is designed to work. And, and yeah. I give a lot of credit there to Steve Sarkeesian for the play design that Alabama had this past year. He coached circles around everybody. Yeah. It was incredible watching him just play chess. Everybody else is playing checkers as far as Alabama's offense. But Waddle, to me, has a more dynamic trait that you can hang your hat on going to the next level as compared to Devontae Smith. I think he's the best Alabama wide receiver to me. Uh, I think he has the biggest impact, maybe not just in the stat sheet, but you're an Eagles guy. You saw Deshaun Jackson in, in his prime and what yeah. he was able to do and the attention that he commands. And I see a lot of that same dynamic with Jalen Waddell. And I think if you get him into a, an opportunity where he's going to get vertical, you can use him in the RPO game and in the short area, he averaged over 10 yards per catch after the catch in 2020. So over 10 yards after the catch per catch. And mm -hmm. his average 
length of touchdown reception over 17 career touchdowns at Alabama was over 44 yards. Just explosive plays left and right. So uh, I know that's that's not a consensus take. I know a lot of people like Jamar Chase as the top wide receiver in the class, but for me, it's Jalen Wild. Yeah, that yak average might be the best that I've seen in like the past two years. I remember Brandon Ayuk was really high. It was like eight point eight. You know, like mm-hmm. this guy is you know really going to bring something after the catch. So that's that's a good stat there. Let's let's go to the trenches where games are won and lost. Offensive lineman, give me one guy that you love day two. You know, day one range. Who who is uh, who is your guy? So he's not my top rated tackle, and I do think he's a tackle. But Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State mean. is yes. a riot to watch on tape and (laughs) he just beats the tar out of you (laughs) he uh the the relentlessness that he plays with and i know he doesn't have great range as a pass protector around the outside and that's kind of the big question mark on him and everybody posts that one clip of ronnie perkins long arming him back in the lap of his quarterback and i get it but he helped us i know people kind of snicker a little bit at arm length but there was some concern about what he was going to measure there he had like 33 and a half inch arms so like Mm. he's perfectly fine there he's got He's going to meet the NFL thresholds. He should be a tackle for most teams. Uh, but the impact in the run game that I think he can bring, and then if you play, if you don't play a style of offense that relies on a lot of deeper drops and landmarks for your quarterback, you know, mm. if, you, if you are more timing-based, quick game, uh, I think he's going to be perfectly fine because he has enough reach. He has enough functional athleticism. And I didn't really see him overset and give up the outside too much. Okay. So I think he's pretty safe in that that regard if you are going to play uh, more ball-out-of-your-hand-quick type passing offense. But, you know, he's just – I love those guys that will take you into the sideline and sit you on the bench. Mm-hmm. And he's one of those guys, much like Landon Dickerson is a guy on the inside. It's very much that same thing. Yeah. And I've been sitting here – thinking about Landon Dickerson and, and we're starting to now see the push of Dickerson up into first round on like big draft mocks. And I'm kind of curious, like he's always been considered because of the medicals. Uh, and then he goes out and does cartwheels in the background of Mac Jones's interview. And it's like, Everyone's okay, like, it's like cool. he looks pretty <laughs> healthy here. So are we going to see Landon Dickerson maybe sneak into the first round, a team like Pittsburgh who had Pouncey retire or something like that. Green mm-hmm. Bay lost Corey Lindsley in free agency. So couple different interesting options there that I think Dickerson might be a surprise who sneaks into the first round. I love both of those guys for for the exact reasons that that, that you laid out. Just even past an evaluation standpoint, like I would rather watch their film than a a lot of other linemen in this class for sure. Let's switch sides to the defense. Let's keep it in the trenches, though. Give me a defensive lineman that you are pounding the table for. Jalen Phillips is the best defensive player in this class. You're, you're the just <laughs> you're the second person to come on this feed and tell me this. John Ledger told me it. Now you're telling me. So this edge rusher class, I don't love it, but but Jalen is the guy. If he's if you're comfortable with his medical situation and the dynamics of him leaving UCLA, just from an on the field perspective, he has the best tape of anybody in the class defensively. Okay, and he, <laughs> oh man, is a pass rusher. Um, you don't see a lot of guys at 260. I think he weighed in at 261 at the pro day, who have the body disassociation between their upper and lower halves to ask each half of my body to do something completely different <laughs> and still stay on my rush track right. and not drift or not give up too much of my body to a tackle. And that ability compared or combined with the explosiveness that he has. 
the power in his hands that he has. I know there was a, a wrist procedure that he had. He had a couple bones taken out of his wrist, I believe, but mm. those hands look pretty good to me on tape in 2020 with Miami yeah. Hurricanes. And like once he really got his feet, like he flashed early in the season, and then you got to the back half of the season, and he's finishing the reps. And it's like, okay, he's he's really kind of back and comfortable and former five star recruit, one of the top prospects in in, in the or top recruits in the country when he was at the prep level. So uh, it shouldn't be a surprise, but like he's been off the beaten path to get to where we're at. Mm. But his tape is phenomenal. So if you're New York Giants, like. Y'all got to get some guys on the outside. You can't just have six defensive tackles. <laughs> Jalen Phillips at 11, hmm. depending on how the board falls, I would love for that specific team. And if you're anywhere in the teens, as long as you're comfortable with the medicals, Jalen Phillips would be the way I would go. It's a pretty terrible uh, interior defensive lineman class. I feel like Edelman's going to find a He's way, though. Safe. <laughs> Let's go to the second level. Let's go to linebackers. Who do you like flying around there? Who's who's the modern linebacker that you're pounding the table for there? I'm actually I don't I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but Baron Browning from Ohio State mm-hmm. is somebody who I the way we we handled evaluations at TDN is we had a number of scouts and we split the country into regions for the summer and the fall. So mm-hmm. I was responsible for watching the Big Ten. And at the end of the regular season, like the Michigan State game, Northwestern, like I'm getting ready to start doing final evals. And I start writing Baron Browning. And then I'm like, no, you know what? I I think I'm going to wait. And then if you watch just the Clemson game and just the Alabama game, it was teach tape coverage linebacker zone or cover three drops. Mm. And he has the ability at 245 pounds, and he did this quite a bit, to rush off the edge, whether that's you know in pressure situations where you go double mug and you got linebackers walked up in both gaps and he's walked up and you got a running press coverage and come screaming in off the edge, or uh, you know he, he can play out on the hash and kind of delay and, and come off the B level of the defense as well. And he's so explosive that he can get there from the second level if you force the quarterback to to hold beyond his first read. So Browning, I think he's in an interesting evaluation because he was recruited by Fickle to come to Ohio State to be an outside linebacker. And like two months after he committed, Fickle left for Cincinnati. And then he plays inside linebacker for the vast majority of his career at Ohio State. And you're watching him and you can tell like there's too much information for him to process. Like he's right. not, it's not – it's not fast for him. Everything's mm-hmm. happening slow. And I appreciate slow till you know as much as anybody on the second level, but like you got to be able to see it and go get it at times. And, yeah. and him on the inside was a disservice to his skills. They moved him back to outside linebacker for the 2020 season. And you could see it was a much more natural spot for him. Mm. So coverage, he's phenomenal. Third down value as both coverage and a pressure player, great. I don't want to necessarily put him on the front side and ask him to, to jam tight ends and, and work in traffic. So he might be a, a will linebacker as far as early downs and a guy who plays in space a little bit more, but he has the range to chase it down. Uh, he's a guy that I would pound the table for. If you're in the early second round, you need coverage linebacker. I would take him over all these other options. Love it. Okay. Last one. Let's go to the secondary. 
Give me a cornerback or safety that that you really love. Why is it J.C. Horn? Because that's who I want the Eagles to pick. But no, seriously, uh, who, who who is your guy? I'm not going to give you J.C. Horn. Ah. I'm, sorry. I'm going to give you Trevon Morick, the safety from TCU. Okay, um, I'll take that. He has uh, really good trigger skills when he's over the middle of the field and he plays high post safety and single high. And uh, TCU's defense is a lot of fun because of how Gary Patterson has structured that defense where they have almost three separate calls. They have a box call, they have a, a strength call in coverage, and then they have a backside call. So they're they're reading on the front side, and the backside's kind of locked. Mm. And um, Morig as the post safety, he's playing on the read side more often than not. He's playing to the offensive strength. A lot of times it was to the field. There's more grass to cover. And anything that works over the middle of the field, whether it's a special route or, or if they try and high-low in, when he sees the ball in the air and he decides to attack, he must have missed by two inches, like an extra five interceptions, just driving on stuff, whether the receiver just luckily managed to sloppily get their body in the way or the receiver works back to the ball enough to, to prevent Maurig from undercutting the throw. I think, and single high safeties are always romanticized because the ones that could do it at a high level are pretty few and far between, right? right. But I think Maurig has the instincts and the short area quickness to be able to be effective in the middle of the field. And I think he has enough range and long speed that he can work outside the hashes to either side if you ask him to do that at the pro level. So yeah. uh, just just for the positional value that I think he has, and, and I know that uh, this year's safety class is much more friendly for hybrid safeties, the guys who can roll down into the nickel, can play too high safety, can maybe get on the second level as a linebacker type if you need him to. Uh, on third downs if they, they spread you out and you're, you're defending 11 personnel or whatever. But uh, he's a guy who can play the high post, and because of that and because of how good I thought his tape was, he's a guy that I'd be ready to pound the table for. Sounds like a guy that's uh, always around the ball, ready to make a play. I like those types of guys. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us here on the SB Nation NFL Show and, and going through your guys and, and some of the different quarterback situations around the league. For the gentle listeners, let them know where they can find you, where they can find your work, anything else you want to plug away, man. This is this is your time. Yeah, uh, over at thedraftnetwork.com, uh, we have an amazing team. Uh, we have a, gr- a lot of great resources for this time of year, and, and we try to treat the process as, as close to what a team would as far as player evaluation, and we have a lot of really cool tools and features and build your own big board and the mock draft simulator and things like Ben's CQ Project, which is must-read mm. every year when it comes out. Um, so I, I encourage you guys to check out uh, thedraftnetwork.com. Uh, Michael, I feel like you subtweet me every time uh, when you're talking about hashtag grinding tape, but uh, I am at grinding the tape on Twitter, and uh, I think Michael is quite tongue-in-cheek with that at times, and that's okay because it's not meant to be serious. I yeah. think some people think it is, but like it is yeah. meant to be self-deprecating. Uh, grinding the tape on Twitter. Uh, you can reach me there. Please shoot me a follow. Please tweet me nothing but nice things. And uh, hope to hear from a very great many of you in the not-too-distant future here as we get close to the 2021 draft. It's never a subtweet at you, but you did it to yourself by putting I that did. in your <laughs> I did. I appreciate you, Kyle. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me.